Episode 42 with Dennis Lee. I've known Dennis for a very long time, since I was probably about 18 years old. Uh, fabulous entertainer. He lives in Florida. And if you ever have a chance to see him perform, make sure you do. He's just a riot and so much fun. Uh, joining me as well was Brian Edwards uh, as my co-host. Uh, we had a great chat. We've both known Dennis for a very long time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Mr. Dennis Lee. <laughs> All right, we're rolling with Dennis Lee live in Florida. That's and, right. I'm down uh, here in Clearwater. We're rolling, baby. Yeah. <laughs> also with us today, hey, Brian, my co-host Brian Edwards is here with us again. How you doing? Great to be back, Darren, and uh, great to be on here with Dennis. We go back a long, 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 long way. So that's, here you go. for sure, man. Las <laughs> Vegas. Oh, my goodness, man. All those conventions there. Oh, I miss oh, them being yeah. there. I wish they I, I wish they were still there. I can't imagine them being anywhere else. It just well, I've never been there since since they've had it somewhere else. But boy, those, you know, visiting people like George Moffat and Hap Peebles and they used to yep. bring down um, Colonel Tom man, you're, Parker. You're going old time. school on me, Eric. You're, you're old school, man. You're for sure that uh, oh, we yeah. do go back. But you, you know, bet. the last two years, last two years it's been in San Antonio. And I'm I'm cool with any convention anywhere, but Vegas is one of a kind city, man. Just can't. Yeah, but exactly. The, the, the convention's great. It's what you do after the convention in Vegas. <laughs> yes. Come on, man. Come on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Now, Dennis, I I met you. I'm trying to figure out where the first place we met, but I'm pretty sure it was the Ottawa exhibition. Um, when you were performing there, we were on the same stage uh going Is back and right? forth that's right i believe i was about 18. that's about right man you were a young man. that's yeah, right so were you you were only 43 then that's true <laughs> that's true man that's right it was a central canada exhibition at yeah. lansdowne park in ottawa and it was my first gig in canada uh and man it, it just it just, you know, being a hit from Tennessee, I was like, my God, this is so wonderful up here. And people would just give me these weird looks every time I'd talk. They, they thought I was uh, actually doing an impression of a country person. So I, I told them I was. And I, I told them I was from Sudbury and I was just impersonating <laughs> a country guy from Tennessee. <laughs> I had some great times there, man. Oh, well, for those Great. listening that don't know who Dennis Lee is, Dennis is a fabulous singer, and I would call you uh, an amazing entertainer because I would consider you more of an entertainer than anything High compliment else. from you, Darren. I appreciate that, brother. Oh, thanks. And when you go see Dennis perform, it's certainly entertaining from beginning You'll to end. You'll fall in you love. Just... You'll fall in <laughs> you love. <laughs> Girls and guys. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's entertainment all the way through, and uh, we were lucky to have you up at our theater as well. Oh man, uh, yeah, came up. that was fun. It was I have a video of it, and I look at it every once in a while. It's and, and it's yeah. so fabulous, funny. The pandemic, it's got to make your day. Yes, exactly. But uh, Dennis, you, uh, I don't really know your backstory too much. Uh, as far as you know, we met. We met. Um, you know, 32 years ago, roughly. And plus and, you guys uh, came down to Florida. Didn't you play some gigs down here? I think I saw you down here too. Yep. 
Yeah. I know you played all over the U.S., but maybe in Florida somewhere, maybe. I can't recall exactly. Yeah. And last time uh, Brian and I saw you was uh, was in um, St. Petersburg at the uh, Red Green Tour. We started the Red Green Tour. Oh, so. man, that was too cool. Yeah. That was one yeah. of the coolest shows I've ever seen. I mean, to be with part of that, to see that, man. Hey, thanks for the tickets, Jay. <laughs> you still owe me. <laughs> I, do, I do, man, in a big way. And you're going to get paid back. I need back. the money now. <laughs> you're going to get paid back. It'll be increments. Won't be a lump sum. I was going to say you're in a great part of the world, Dennis. I've got an office down in South Pasadena. I've had it there for 28 years, just down the street from you there. And I, I, yeah. I really like, I love going down. I love going up to Clearwater and all through there. And we get over to the Strawberry Festival to catch your show all the time. And it's, oh, how many man, years you been man. there? How many years you been playing there? This will be, uh, I just finished my 37th year, 30, 38th year. Wow. 38th year there and uh, 40 years at the Florida State Fair. I've actually been, I, I came out of Memphis down here on a spring break to, uh, you know, go party at Daytona. And I ended up trying to make some chunk change and money to go to Daytona at the Florida State Fair working in maintenance. That's how I stumbled into the fair industry. I mean, wow. I had no idea what I was doing. I just needed some money to party at Daytona in 1980. The rest, as they say, is history. But <laughs> uh, Were you raised in, in Memphis? I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, I cut my teeth, so to speak, on music and comedy in Memphis uh, from being uh, in a uh, show. Or I was, I was actually auditioned. First of all, I graduated from college over in Arkansas. I got kicked off the baseball team for doing cartwheels around the bases after I hit a grand slam one time. And the coach <laughs> says, I'm kicking you off the team, but you might want to look into entertainment somewhere, being a show person. He goes, we don't have that kind of thing on the baseball team. So I'll go back to Memphis. And in uh, summer of 76, it was the bicentennial of our country. And they opened a, an amusement park kind of a poor man's Opryland called Liberty yeah. Land. And they needed a glass blower. So I auditioned to be taught the art of glass blowing. Got a lot of hot air in these cheap can't you tell? <laughs> so that was my foyer into uh uh is it foyer or foray? But uh <laughs> that's how I stumbled into it and the gentleman who hired me in Memphis was uh his name was Wilson Sparks and he became a fair manager down in Florida. So, you know, fast forward four years, he, he became the fair manager down at the Florida State Fair, and he, he remembered me being a performer in Memphis. And I was also Ronald McDonald. I was doing all kinds of things, man. You know what? It, you know, you got to do everything and be a little versatile to make money. So anytime I was asked to do something above board, I would do it for money. But that's how I stumbled into entertainment in the beginning. And so... Then Mr. Sparks, the gentleman who hired me in Memphis, he transferred to, to Tampa to run the Florida State Fair. And that's when I went down there and was working in maintenance till I stumbled into the to the mime routine that I did as a sad face clown. Long story, Darren. <laughs> no, that's not that long. So you were you singing when you were young at all? Well, you know, in church, you know, I, I grew yeah. up. Believe it or not, I grew up in an orphanage in Memphis, and that's no lie. I did. My uh, mother was on hard times, and the state came in and took our ass arse out and put us in this children's home with 100 kids, a working farm. And that's wow. pretty much where I learned the uh, gift of gab. 
with all those hundred kids. And so they made us go to church every Sunday, Wednesday, and and uh, all the days in between. And the, the thing that got, gave me an opportunity to uh, break out of that scenario was joining the choir. And so I was yeah. in the choir, always in trouble. But I realized, and somebody gave me confidence that I had a decent voice, nothing to write home about, but I, I always enjoyed singing. And uh, that, that was my first step into uh, anything having to do with music before I, uh, you know, stumbled into clowning uh, and also the, the glass blowing show in Memphis. But that was my launching pad. So what, what age were you when you went into the orphanage? I was seven years old to 18 years old living wow. there. Very, you know, we're talking about the mid '60s uh, to yeah. the the early '70s. Really antiquated situation, but uh, my brother was there with me, and uh, you know, at first it was tough, man. Any kid goes in that kind of a situation, you're like, "What the hell is happening to me?" But you you have comrades and arms around you who are going through the same thing. So, can you imagine? I mean, you've got a lot of siblings, Darren. But a hundred of them out there, you become you become like uh, I don't know if y'all remember the old sitcom Hogan's Heroes. Oh yeah, you're bad. Yeah, you're old enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like Hogan's Heroes, man. We sneak yeah. out at night, and it was a major major deal to try to sneak out of the dormitories and all that to meet the girls on the other side of the campus and all those good things. Hey, man, it made me who I am today. Yeah. <laughs> so are you still in contact with anybody uh from the from those that guys? i grew up it was called the baptist yeah. children's home man we're talking throw down southern baptist boy you couldn't dance yeah. you couldn't do anything out there but i snuck around i was the best dancer at the catholic uh dances on the weekends but yeah we have a <laughs> reunion of kids kind of like just like a college or a high school graduation uh reunion type thing we call yeah. it the the uh, orphan reunion. We all call ourselves orphans to this day, but it's kind of tongue in cheek. But you know, hey, it, it kind of uh, it gave you character to grow up there and to get out of that situation. And uh, it certainly taught you how to be independent and be able to live on your own. So it, it you know, if I had to do all over again, I I'd probably want to maybe a different scenario with uh, with a two parent home and all that, but. Growing up as an orphan with a bunch of orphans, hey, it's the only way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes you who you are, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It it definitely gave me all my comedic uh, timing and things I do because, man, I was always in trouble. God, man, always. Was it comedy that made you get out of things and – Oh yeah, comedy was my it was my coping mechanism at an early age. You you're too young to remember Gilligan's Island. Oh but no. My name oh, is no. Dennis Lee, right? But my last name used to be before I dropped it in 1989, it used to be Dennis Gilliland. Gilliland. Uh-huh. So in the early 60s, Gilligan's Island was very popular. And so, you know, people would make fun of me, right? Cuz you know, you're always getting made fun of when you're growing up. And since my last name was Gilliland, they they kind of correlated that to Gilligan. And these big guys who would kick my butt left and right all day would go, hey, Gilligan. And I'd go, you want me to bring Marianne to see you? And they'd go, oh, man, 
quit making me laugh. I want to beat your butt. And I'd go, <laughs> well, come on, man. I'll introduce you to Marianne and we'll be friends. So it, it was a coping mechanism, man. It certainly helped me out of a bunch of uh, tough spots. Mm. So were you a Marianne or the movie star type of guy? Oh, I was kind of like, who was the other one? There was Marianne. Uh, Ginger. 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 I, yeah. I kind of, I love Ginger, but I was thinking, you know, she's too good for me. So <laughs> Mary Ann was always my girl in, in my yeah. fantasies and everything. So it's interesting because you've made your career mostly performing or in the fair market. Um, right. State fairs and big fairs yep. and, and really exhibitions in Canada, big time. Yeah. And you've really done that almost your whole career, right? Yeah. I mean, I stumbled into it. I mean, I literally stumbled into working in a maintenance department down in, at the Florida State Fair in, uh, it was like November of 79. I, I, honestly, man, I was just going to make some money and go to Daytona. Then I was going to go back to Memphis, finish my college, and I was going to coach and teach. I thought I was going to be, because, you know, I got a baseball and basketball scholarship to college. Uh, I thought, you know, athletics was my life. You know, I was living the dream, so to speak. So when I'm yeah. down in Tampa at the Florida State Fair, Mr. Sparks, the gentleman who was running the fair, said, hey, when the fair starts, why don't you stick around and emcee some of the shows here? I said, okay, sir, I'll emcee some shows. Well, the fair starts, and it's about two or three days into the Florida State Fair, and he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't got anything for you right now. Could you stay a couple more days? I was like, I want to go to Daytona, man. I want to party. <laughs> and so I'm still working in maintenance and I'm emptying yeah. trash cans and everything. And all of a sudden, the third day of the fair, I see this guy walking around as a clown. And uh, I was into, are y'all, do y'all remember back in the day, a, uh, a mime duo on television called uh, Shields and Yarnell? Mm, no. you're, too, no. you're too young. Well, look that up. <laughs> they, were a, they were a comedy robot mime duo yeah. and they had a television show and everything they did was in robotics and yeah. so i would emulate that and have a good time with when i was working on the fairgrounds and so uh this guy was dressed as a clown and, and I, i'm like hey buddy i was really into freddie the freeloader character from red skeleton and i asked yeah. this clown guy i said hey man could you help me put on uh, some sad face makeup uh like red skeleton's freddie the freeloader and this guy goes, uh, yeah, I can do that, man, for $20. And I said, okay, $20 in 1980, $20. Yeah. Hey, it was $20. But <laughs> yeah. it was tough to come by. So this guy, long and short, taught me how to do the, the makeup for the sad face mine. And so I would get on a milk crate in between my hours working in maintenance, and I would do mine routines like staring at people and then yeah. doing the whole thing right and this guy comes up to me i'm just goofing off you know working just thinking about daytona beach baby and this guy comes up from holland michigan and you know darren both of you guys do that during the winter time you have fair executives from canada you have the, the gentleman i met at the uh, uh south florida fair in west palm beach was uh the mayor, uh, former mayor of Ottawa, and he's the one that first booked me into the uh, Central Canada Exhibition in Ottawa. 
So mm-hmm. you've got all kinds of representatives from all events, and that, especially the Northeast and into Canada coming down to Florida. So this guy's from Michigan, and he's a county fair executive. He sees me goofing off, and he came up to me and says, goodness, I sure would like to have that, that routine at my fair in Holland, Michigan. And I said, well, really? I said, I had a crowd around me. He said, uh, yeah, I'm from the Ottawa County Fair in Holland, Michigan. And I said, no lie. He goes, how much do you charge a day? I said, well, sure, I'm making beer money to go to Daytona. He goes, I'll give you $200 a day for four hours. I said, excuse me? I said, you'll do what? Because <laughs> minimum wage, you guys, what, Darren, you weren't even born in 1980, were you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were? You were? You don't look it. Yes. You don't look it. Well, minimum wage was 285 an hour. And he said, I'll give you 200 for four hours. I was like, say yeah, what? That's good. You will? <laughs> so that's how I stumbled into getting a gig at a fair. But still, I was working in maintenance and I'm like, what the heck? And so Mr. Sparks called me to his office and said, hey, I thought you were working in maintenance and you were waiting for me to get you a gig emceeing. I said, well, this guy was dressed as a clown, Mr. Sparks. I hope you're okay with it. But he goes, yeah, I'm hearing some good things with you. Go ahead and do that. I said, do I have to work in maintenance? He goes, no, go on out there and do your thing. (laughs) So I I did that and the fair is over. I did, I think I performed seven days and he gave me $800. That was a million dollars to me back then. Incredible. So then he he sent me to another fair and I I got a costume up uh, and I did a sad face, mine routine. That's kind of how I stumbled into the clown business uh, as far as working at a fair. So I made a business out of that. Uh, Brian's a big red skeleton fan. Oh, Brian, I love him. Yeah. I got a hundred. I got about sixty of his paintings here at the house. I love him. I think he is. Great. When do you want me to come visit, brother? How many would you like? <laughs> <laughs> I buy them at all these estate sales. People put them in the paper. I buy them. Oh often. yeah, because they're all hand yeah. signed and everything. There and he spent a lot of time up in Toronto. It was great. So, I think oh, was he was best. wonderful. He oh, was boy. wonderful. I, I kind of emulated him in, in different. Hello there, Heathcliff. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. I love that right down. down Oh boy. Well, he's the best. There's no doubt about it. Tell me something. So today, compared to let's say 25, 30 years ago, how is the fair business? We haven't been booking fairs for a long, long time, but we certainly did a lot of them. Obviously, not as many as you did. But is the procedure and the people any different than they were before? Is the newer generation a little bit? kind of harder to deal with compared to what the good old boys, I'll use that for the lack of better words. That's a good question, man, because most of the people that I've dealt with back in the 80s and early 90s have kind of, uh, you know, like you said, the new generations come aboard. But what I've found, whether I'm performing at the P&E in Vancouver or, uh, say, a county fair in South Carolina, I find that uh, the nuance of how you're you're hired is exactly the same. And just like, you know, back in the day with Red Skelter or entertainers like that, I believe that no matter where you are, if you're able to come across and entertain the masses, no matter where you are, uh, even the new generation realizes, you know, this is a good thing to have at our event because the demographics are always such that, you know, you can you can have a rap group on Saturday night. You can have uh, a great country uh, 
maybe a nostalgic traditional country tune during the week for your seniors during during that time. Or you could have a, a boy band on a Friday night. So I, I found that no, no matter what generation has come around, as far as uh, booking the particular thing that I do, uh, is that uh, they, they find a niche for you wherever their event is. And I kind of lead them to say that anyway. I say, hey, now, I can, I'm a niche performer. You can put me here <laughs> during this, this time. But most of them, sometimes I have to be led to the promised land. You know what I mean, Darren, Brian? Yeah, you guys yeah. know. You, you kind of fit, fit yourself into their program and say, hey, man, this will be good for that or whatever. I find that they're all willing to listen. But, uh, you know, you still have to do the legwork no matter what. I'm really glad to hear that because I I always felt and I know Darren did too. You you built a a relationship up with those buyers that you knew year after year after year. You seen them the same place and you shook hands and kissed babies and did what you had to do. And the next Amen. thing you, know, you had the, had those dates forever. And when I yep. go to some you of these the conventions, head, that's it. It's your relationship. And I look around at some of these people today. I keep thinking, God, I wonder. If I wonder how easy it is to get that association today like it was then. But I'm glad to hear it's good. That's that's wonderful. I, I think to hear. that, uh, you know, it depends on the individual. But I believe and I tell my I tell my children, I tell them all the time, Brian and Darren. I said it's all about relationships. I don't care where you are or what you're doing, whatever business you're in. It's relationships, man. You, you said it. Kiss the babies, baby. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Swallow that. It used to be the old cigar smoke. They'd blow that right in your face, and you'd sit there going, oh, my God, I hate that. But when you're booking yeah, it, who's the, the guy that used to smoke cigars? You, you mentioned him, uh, Mr. George Moffitt. Moffitt. Oh, George yeah, Moffitt always had a cigar. He, he ate them. He didn't smoke them. He just <laughs> chewed them. <laughs> that was the first oh. diet of its kind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. The good old days. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these fairs that you play at, you've obviously been at for many, 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 many years, just back and forth. So as Brian mentioned, with the new people coming in, if you had um, situations where you've really had to resell yourself yes. to come back the next year? or yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll give you, for instance, uh, the Florida State Fair. I've been there 40 years, right? I've been through nine management changes there. And each time, I don't care what kind of entertainer you are or who books you, if you if you book yourself, you know, things happen for me both ways. Sometimes an agent will book me somewhere where he's, he has a stable of entertainers in a particular venue. But like at the Florida State Fair, uh, I think uh, I, the nine different management changes, you have somebody coming in and they, of course, want to put their thumbprint on what's going to be there possibly. or yeah. And a lot of times, as you guys know, Sometimes the higher management or the, the guy who runs the event, sometimes he books the entertainment. He might be in Las Vegas and go by your booth and say, hey, what do you do? Oh, well, exactly. I do this. Okay, yeah, I want to book you. Then you have to go through boards at other events uh, where they say, you know, we have to take this information about your show to a board. So at the Florida State Fair, there's been management changes because of retirement and whatever. And so when somebody new comes in, what you're hoping and you're praying for is that the people who appreciate you outside of that management spot, like uh, the guys who run maintenance, the guys who are in charge of uh, concessions, that they know you. And once again, that's where 
your relationships come in for people. If they like you, you go, hey, man, uh, can you can you put in a good word for me to the new management? So I think that's the paramount thing. I mean, if you have people around you over the years who don't like you, uh, you're toast if a new management comes in. So I give everybody $20. <laughs> no matter if they work in maintenance or their their security, I grease their palms, man. You got to grease it to make it happen above board. How many fares a year are you doing right now? Right now I'm averaging, you know, between 12 and 15 depending on the the uh number of fares and the amount of days, but uh over the years, man, I, I I remember when I was young, I used to do 20, 25 a year. But uh, the way I do it now is, you know, the people who want you back always get first dibs on what you do. And then, as you guys know, going to the conventions, you fill it in here and there, word of mouth, all the all the other uh, peripheral things that, that make it happen. So I'd say between 12 and 15. And I do two events that aren't aren't fair events, so uh, it all comes together. Where you know I, I do about almost five and a half, six months of work cumulative, but not consecutive days. Y'all got kids in college, brother. <laughs> Let me take you're, another you're, drink after saying that. You're doing multiple days at most of these places too. I notice in in Florida, yep. especially at both of those events. That's great. Yeah. You have so many entertainment buyers or, or representatives from fairs, exhibitions in Canada uh, coming down to Florida because Florida, during the wintertime, it's the only game in town nationally for anything, outdoor yeah. amusement-wise, fairs, festivals. Well, it's funny you mentioned that guy from Ottawa, the guy I used to know there, his name was John Reed, and I used to run into him. I used to run into him in Florida all the time down there, you know, and he was Telling me he was booking entertainment and all that sort of stuff. Oh, he was great. You know what? He saw me on the beach. I was doing my mine routine on a milk crate. And he comes by <laughs> and I'm doing the robot. I reach out with my hand and tap him on the shoulder. He goes, Who was that, eh? I said, It was me, sir. And he says, Goodness. And then he saw me perform in the entertainment center. They had the country music shows. And y'all have seen the routines where the, yeah. where the minds walk around and follow people and mimic them. Well, yeah. he, he follows me out of the tent and says, hey, my name's Don Reed. And I mean, he was the first one to take a chance on this boy from Memphis to bring me up to Canada. I loved it. He was one of the classiest fair managers there ever were. Always dressed well, always very well spoken. He's a good guy. I always called him prime minister. He goes, Dennis, I'm not a prime minister. I was just the mayor. I said, well, that's big to me. That's big to me, Prime Minister. Oh, come on. Great guy. God. Yeah, he sure was. So here's a question for you. What's the longest run uh, do you do for a fair? Longest run would have to be uh, State Fair of Texas, 24 days. I haven't done it in a while, but one year I was there for 24 days. And I think they're, they're up to 30, 30 days now, I believe. But, hey, man, it's just like everything else, right? You pace yourself. Just like if you have uh, four or five sets a day, uh, you just pace yourself. Oh, boy. That's good. How many people you got on the road with you? This year, I usually take uh, five or six, depending on the budget. 
So I've got some wonderful people traveling with me on tour this year. We've already performed at six major events in Florida before the pandemic hit. Uh, I've got uh, a young lady named Kari Nelson on the fiddle. You'd really appreciate her, Darren. She uh, she uh, she was on, uh, what's that, Family Feud show. She's been on there. She uh, tra- traveled with Big and Rich. She's about six feet even. She's from Roseau, Minnesota, which is about 10 miles from the Canadian border. And she actually learned to play fiddle at, and, and extended uh, – her her lessons in a conservatory up in Canada. So she's incredible, beautiful. Always have to have a beautiful girl in the show who's talented to kind of take away from, you know, what I do. So it'll be a success. But yeah, I've got another guy on the lead guitar out of Nashville. His name is Zachary Bosco Patton. He's wonderful. Corey Nelson is my fiddle player for this tour and last year too. And I uh, have a young man on the piano. You've met him, Darren, Dave Schleichman. Uh, yeah, he's, I remember he's Dave. a faceted musician. He can play everything. You've seen him play with me up there at the uh, dinner theater. Uh, yeah. And then my drummer's been for 25 years. He's into the punishment thing. So he's been with me that long. But a great group <laughs> of people, who, uh, as you guys know, Half the battle is having good people on the road with you, not not especially when you're on stage because that that comes into play and everything works out great with your musicians on stage. The interaction is what kind of people are they? The other twenty hours, you know, it holds. Yeah, up. exactly. Now they're great people. How many fairs are you doing in Florida that you can go home after the show? Are you about? I'd say six every year down in Florida. That's what really brought me out of Memphis is uh, stumbling into the business down here, the fair industry, and having an opportunity to play at all these fairs down here. And I'm really blessed to continue to do that. So except for being in West Palm Beach uh, each year for a couple of weeks during the wintertime, you know, I'll walk out the door for the Florida State Fair, for the Florida Strawberry Festival, and uh, several other county fairs here. So, man. (laughs) It's great sleeping in your own bed. You know how it is touring. You guys know. Absolutely. How many acts at uh, the fairs have been going as long as you? Do you know how many? I don't know of any acts in the fair business that have been at fairs longer than I have. I mean, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm just old enough to know that I haven't seen, but I see different acts like, uh, for instance, the uh, Redhead Express that were at the Florida Strawberry Festival with us for six straight years. I would see them out at the Washington State Fair in, near Seattle or different events like that. Uh, so, you know, you come around and, and, and touch elbows with different acts. And the, the beauty of it is is to see them somewhere else. So you have a common camaraderie to, to get together and hang out. You know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Darren, right? You know, sharing the stage, I've shared the stage with every act imaginable, from cloggers to hypnotists to, uh, that's kind of like my favorite things. You know, if I'm not sharing a show, I mean, sharing the stage, whether I'm in Canada with a hypnotist, a million hypnotists out there, but they're all great. They're all different. They all bring, just like any other entertainment, they bring their their uh, their style and everything like that. Do you guys book hypnotists ever? God. Used to book Terry Stokes Terry probably Stokes. thirty years yeah. ago. 
30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, his son's in it. Terry oh, Stokes yeah, Jr. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They used to they used to work that Klondike days in Edmonton, boy, I'll tell you, that yeah. place had just be hopping. We we played the, the Klondike days when uh Mr. Uh, who was the gentleman who booked shows there? Gray. Bob Gray. His last name was Gray. Bob Gray. Bob, Bob Gray. Gray. We see Bob all the time, Darren and I. I'll tell him Still, I said it's great. We will. But he was a great guy. Great guy. Oh yeah, he's the best. One of the best. No doubt about it. Yeah. Did you used to do that circuit? Would you go up and do Red Deer, Calgary, Edmonton, Regina, and all that stuff? Well, the good thing is when in Vegas, you know, you guys represent the Canadian uh, Fair Association is down in Vegas, and I met. Uh, I think her name was Lynn Taylor. She booked me at uh, in Vancouver at the PNE Pacific National Exhibition. Yep. Uh, I can't remember the lady who booked me at the Calgary Stampede. It's been a, quite a few years, but man, one of the oh, I, I don't think I'll ever do another event that has the the worldwide acclaim as the Calgary Stampede. That man, let me tell you, that blew my Tennessee mind. And then uh, actually stayed with some friends that I met on a cruise up in uh, Calgary at the Stampede called Three Boys Houseboats Unlimited. And they had oh, yeah. houseboats in, uh, I performed at the World's Fair in 1986 in Vancouver. And uh, these guys had boats in Banff and Lake Louise. They had them in Toronto up on, uh, What's that lake near Toronto, that big one? Lake Ontario. Yeah, that's it. Vancouver, Calgary, and Toronto. So, man, they put me on the map up there as far as my social time. But, man, I tried like crazy to get in Toronto to this, the Canadian National X, but I couldn't crack that one, man. Maybe one of these days. You never know. Thank God I, I got to play near Toronto for a Darren at the theater, the Walters Family Theater. That was a that was the best thing I ever did. There you go. Oh, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so is there any places out there that you've wanted to perform that you haven't had a chance or any venues or any particular places that you just always wanted to perform and haven't had the chance yet? I'll tell you, entertainment, the, the fair industry, exhibitions in Canada, it really opened my whole life to uh, seeing the world, literally seeing the world. And then understanding that, like I mentioned earlier, if you can entertain someone in your backyard in a, in a podunk town outside of Memphis, you and then you go to Los Angeles at the LA County Fair or Vancouver or Ottawa, Canada, and you understand that you can entertain people of all backgrounds, all races, there is nothing more beautiful than doing that. And so if, if everything stopped for me right now, I could truthfully say that I've had my share of all the good things that can happen for a performer, but certainly I would like to continue to uh, uh, broaden my horizons because, you know, there's always something new out there that piques your interest and gives you, gives you uh, energy to keep doing what you're doing. But Hey man, I, I've got a, I've got another three weeks before I head to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. When I get in that, that van with my band, put that hook that trailer up to the hitch and i start traveling it's just like 40 years ago Darren, brian i still get excited yeah because if you if you don't have the the energy and the uh drive and and still you can't do it if you don't enjoy it 
you've got there's there's got to be something there that keeps you going. And and for me, the applause, the opportunity to entertain from coast to coast, north, south, Canada, U.S., Mexico. Hey, man, there's nothing better. But sure, there's some places out there I'd like to perform. Toronto, I'd like to get into the Canadian National League. If you know anyone, I'll do it for free. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you in there this for year. Free. If you want. <laughs> for free. Oh, yeah, this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right not running this year. <laughs> There's uh, one thing I've always admired about you, and I see the videos all the time on Facebook, is that you take a real special interest to to people with special needs. Um, and you spend a lot of time singing to them in the shows and spending time with them. Or what does that come from? What comes from I don't from know, man. That? You know, when I first started the interview today, uh, you were asking me about my background. I think growing up in a home for children where you may not grow up in a two parent home or whatever, and you see different types of kids who are out there. I mean, they put a, uh, a young man uh, early on in, in my, at my time at this children's home who had a handicap or a disability. And, and I was like, why are you putting this kid in the room with me? And the superintendent of this orphanage I was growing up, he says, well, you're the only one that's going to make him smile. And at the time I didn't understand oh, yeah. that, but I think that my relationship growing up with uh, kids with disabilities in one area or another helped me understand that, uh, Sometimes they don't get the right kind of attention. But as I grew older and had the opportunity to perform at uh, fairs and festivals and to this day, I just feel a special, uh, a special connection with someone who may not get that kind of attention. So when I'm on stage and I look out in the audience, and you guys as performers know, you, pr you pretty much see everyone that's out there. You can see people who are looking at their watch going, what's next? Or you can see people who are like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then there's always, uh, there's always someone, whether they're elderly, infirm, or someone with a disability who's usually sitting on the side. And I've always, I don't know what it is, it's just piqued uh, my interest and touched my heart to be able to say, wait a second, you know what? There's a beautiful person right there in the middle. They're probably thinking that I'm going to go down there and talk to that pretty girl in the show. Well, I see somebody on the side, and I just feel like in my heart that, you know what, maybe I can make their day. And nine times out of ten, it does, because they're not used to that type of attention from an entertainer, whether you're singing to them or sometimes I'll say, ladies and gentlemen, sit right over here on the right, and I'll describe what they're wearing. There's a young lady here, and she may have cerebral palsy, or she may have a disability that uh, limits her to to even, you know, focus on you. But you get her attention for that moment. You let the audience know. I might say something like, "I want this girl's been looking at me like she's never seen a guy before, and I want to dedicate a song to her because I think she's the most beautiful girl in the audience." And so you surprise them with that, and then. I, tell you, I, I think everyone in the audience starts to have a, uh, <clears throat> a relatable experience in their mind. 
that they know that is, is uh, handicapped or has a disability. And I think they appreciate that moment where I have a one-on-one with just that person who has a disability. And it's always been important to me. And I always tell my band members after a show, I said, the first thing you do is you go to a person who can't make their way to you so that you can make an impression on them and make them happy. I said, because the other people can get to you, you can you can get to them. I said, but what's really special is using your talents in a God-given way to touch somebody's life that doesn't have an opportunity to get to you or get the kind of positive attention that everybody else gets every day. That's, that's truly how I feel, man. Well, uh, we've got a really good insight into uh, Dennis Lee here, and uh, I appreciate your time. Well, I'll finish you with a question. Would, would you see Dennis Lee five, ten years from now? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to tell you my age, Darren, but you can figure it out. But here's the deal. It's like I met Red Skelton, Brian, in Memphis in 1980. No, 78. He was in Memphis when I was a tour guide for the city of Memphis. I didn't tell you guys I was a tour guide for the city of Memphis. And then when Elvis died in 1977, five years later, they opened the uh, Graceland estate and I was the first tour guide. So I was influenced greatly by him too, but I was the first Elvis tour guide in Memphis in 1978. And I met Red Skelton and I'll never forget meeting him. You know, he was, he was up there in age. And I also met Bob Hope in uh, Seattle, Washington, staying at my own cheap hotel, right? And Bob Hope was 90-something years old when I met him. He, he was in the cheap motel where we were staying. And, and I'll never forget looking at him going, Mr. Hope, why are you staying here at this hotel where we are? He said, how do you think I saved all my money over these years? But I always <laughs> looked at Red Skelton, uh, you name him, the older guys, and Jack Benny, all the oldies. I mean, we're talking way back. Those guys entertained into their early 90s. I mean, Bob Hope, almost 100 years old. So in five or 10 years, I hope that I still have the energy. Number one, I hope I still get the phone calls to entertain and I can uh, take some talented people in my band uh, to help prop the old guy up. But I just I, I see myself continuing to perform because when you're doing Ferris festivals and exhibitions, I mean, you, the demographic is from five years old to 100 years old. So. Hopefully my age doesn't get older than the people are at the fair or the exhibitions, right? So I, I hope I'm continuing to perform and uh, touch people's lives through the music and the comedy and to be blessed enough to uh, travel and see the world. I think what we do, Darren and Brian, I think it keeps us young, right? You bet. Yeah. But to be able to get out there, sing and do comedy and bring smiles to people in your audiences, uh, I don't. That, that's an ageless thing. No matter who you are, if you're able to do that, I think uh, it's a plus, and you're certainly blessed to uh, do that. And uh, I hope that's where I continue to go that direction. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't edit that out. That's yeah. it, it's kind of interesting because so today would be my mom and dad's 60th oh, anniversary. Oh, bless your heart, man. Um, say, yeah. So I still remember that was. My dad uh, had cancer at the time. You were the one of the last shows he's ever he ever saw. Uh, he just loved seeing you. So, well, hey man, being able to meet you guys back in the day in Ottawa, 
at the uh, Central Canada Exhibition. You know, once again, going back to the relationships, you guys, your family is special to a lot of people. You've opened doors for people. But the beauty of it, once again, is getting to know each other. And it makes us all human when we're out there doing what we do countless times. No matter how many shows you do, you can always relate to somebody else. And so Walter's family, you guys can relate to so many different acts over the years that you've come in contact with. And I'm one of the lucky ones to have met your dad and uh, your family in general, because you guys, I mean, you guys, you guys live the life <laughs> of entertainment in every facet. I don't care if Bradley's given tours over in Bulgaria or what's your uh, nephew's name? Skyler. I mean, it's in your blood, man. Your mom and dad started this whole party. I don't know about your grandparents, but you guys are the epitome of what entertainment's all about. And gosh, man, it's just great to know all of you. And your dad was a very special gentleman. Thanks. And uh, I was proud Appreciate of all it. of you guys for carrying on the tradition that he and your mom started. Uh, well, we appreciate you, and uh, uh, we really appreciate having you on. And Brian and I uh, certainly were, look we're looking forward to this. Thanks for getting me the insights out of me that most people would never know. Dennis, you brought back a lot of great memories and enjoyed very, very much hearing the stories and some of those people that we worked with many, many years ago and the fact that you're as popular as ever. And uh, it was just great. Thank you very much. And I hope I see you guys this next winter when uh, you guys are able to travel down to Florida. You guys are welcome. Every backstage uh, place where I am, and then I'll bring you up on stage and yeah, man, you guys will get famous down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> you know. Well, awesome. Uh, thanks again. And just hang on here, and uh, we'll wrap things up. Thanks again, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you, Darren, Brian. Appreciate you guys. <laughs>